because I feel like this is a constant sort of refrain that I hear that like, oh, well, you know, at least he wasn't beating you up. Well, listen, (laughs) first of all, if he had hit me, then I would have the excuse to leave because that is evidence. Then I can say, look, he hit me. I have a bruise or a broken leg or whatever it is that happens to you. Then you can say, all right, here's the line. Now I can see it. But they keep it so, like you know, uh, messy by just threatening violence and never actually doing it. So you live in this constant state of fear that it might happen. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today I am talking again to uh, Adrienne McLean, and she was actually on episode 26, I believe, Corona Talk. Uh, that was sort of like a series, a little brain fart that I had, and I wanted to play around with it. Uh, you know, I got, I got, I got ostracized by quite a few people for, uh, can, you know, not, you're just adding to the problem. You're not a part of the solution. <laughs> and oh man, can can a, can a brother have fun? You know, just, right. I hear you. So yeah, but today uh, Adrian's here to talk about. Uh, you published a book, right? Um, yeah. So first, I have to uh, correct you, and like I should have said oh, this. Before. Adrian, Adrian. Yeah. That's right. Ah, I always Adrian. get it wrong. It's okay. It's okay. And the last name, even weirder, McKeon. Oh, McKeon. <laughs> it's a capital I. I know it looks exactly the same. Fucking Sarah Fonts, right? Oh my God. I didn't even see that. I didn't even recognize that. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody does that 100% of the time. What a, what a a dick I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The whole world is a dick if you're a dick. (laughs) So so tell me, tell me about the book, Adrienne McKean. Yeah. So this book took me two decades to write. And uh, like I say that with a laugh, but also I think I I need to let people know that because everyone needs to know that some stories take time. Sometimes you just need more distance on something for it to be a story and not just a therapy, right? Sometimes things happen to us and it's hard at the time for us to understand why it's happening. That's why the subtitle of the book is Life Happens for You, Not to You. Because at the time, it feels like something's happening to you. You feel like a victim and it feels awful. And you're like, why is this happening to me? Why me? And then in the fullness of time, you look back and you go, oh, oh, I see. I see why that happened for me. 
And now I'm so much stronger. And now I have this story that I can use to help other people and help other people get out of situations that they feel are impossible. Because I remember that feeling. I remember it feeling impossible to leave. And like, I was never going to get out of this situation. So just to give you a little bit of background, uh, I am a, (laughs) I don't know, escapee of (laughs) an abusive marriage. And um, the story that the, the story that the book tells is actually sort of the prelude to that marriage and the marriage itself. So how I kind of ended up in that situation is the bulk of the book. And a lot of crazy things happened to me during that time. Uh, I was in West Africa and I happened to be there during a time when a coup d'etat went down and a civil war broke out. And so I ended up in a political situation that I just had absolutely no context for and was this very naive, you know, 24 year old American girl (laughs) trying to navigate all this craziness. And so the relationship that I developed through that kind of craziness uh, was really intense. And I felt like I owed this guy something at the end of all of this. He sort of saved my life in some ways. And so I felt like I kind of couldn't back out by the end of all of this. It was like we were forged in fire at this point. And so the message that I want to bring to everybody more than anything else in that book, I think, is no matter how far you've gone down a wrong road, turn back. It's okay to decide this is not working for me anymore. And you can just say, no, I'm done. And that, and that is enough. Your no is a complete sentence. Yeah, that's a, uh, I, I had no idea. That's uh, that's, Surprise! that's, that's, that's crazy. West Africa. I mean, that's oh, a whole, yeah. that's a whole nother con like the whole nother continent. And it's not like the other continent. It's, it's the, the other, other continent <laughs> that's yeah, at the bottom. It is, such, it is such a different culture in so many ways, in some ways, beautifully, it is so much more hospitable and welcoming of strangers. I had incredible experiences. Like one time I ended up in a city where I knew no one. But then I remembered that I actually did know someone because I had met him like in a completely different country and he handed me his business card. And so I called this guy up out of nowhere and he came and picked me up at the train station, took me back, introduced me to his family. They made me dinner. I slept on their roof and like underneath the stars. I mean, that's just African hospitality and it's totally normal to them. So I learned a lot from their culture, but I also learned that every culture has its upsides and its downsides. And they really, at least in the areas that I was, did not treat their women that well. Mm. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Women were absolutely second-class citizens and were expected to serve the men constantly. The men mostly kind of sat around and talked politics and drank and, you know, had a good time. And the women did 90% of the work to kind of make life happen. And they also have just so, such limited lives. Like they are chaperoned basically constantly and treated like sort of the valuables of the family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they they don't have the same kind of independence 
that I had grown up with. And so it was a very strange situation to find myself in to experience that as one of these girls, because I was living in an African household at the time and was expected to be like everybody else. (laughs) Oh, you're supposed to assimilate? Yeah. And so, I mean, yes and no. Of course, I was treated a little bit differently, obviously. But at the same time, I wasn't allowed to go out by myself. I I always had chaperones. Um, I wasn't allowed to see just anybody. And as you'll see in the book, uh, that results in me seeing a lot of people I wasn't supposed to see on the sly because (laughs) 24-year-old woman like has needs, right? (laughs) Stuff's going to happen. And so, again, that sort of led to the situation where I felt like I had to do crazy things just to kind of get my needs met and get by. And it gave me this empathy for these women who grew up in these situations, which, you know, I was able to get out of. I was able to get out of, but they aren't. They are stuck in those situations. These girls are often married off really early. They sometimes are, you know, cut and met. like there's there's awful, awful things that happened to women in Africa. They are married off and way too young, right? And then they're basically owned by this new family and they can just toss them out if they don't like them anymore. I heard over and over stories of girls who, you know, were married off too soon. And because of that, They had physical damage to them, which caused things like incontinence. And so if they are incontinent in bed and their husband kicks them out and says, you can't sleep here anymore, then they're done for. I mean, there's just no other hope for them. And that's because of damage that was done by the man. That's right. Because he's penetrating them at an age where they're not supposed to be penetrated. Bingo. Correct. Yeah. And so it's just the injustice of it, you know, is is awful to me. So I, I experienced some some crazy things, but I, I want to just reiterate that, like, I am privileged. I am 100 percent privileged. And the reason I was able to get out of all of that is because of that privilege. And so I just want to, like, put a big stamp on this. This whole story is that I want to I want to bring the spotlight off of me and onto these other women who are suffering and who I know right now, for example, I can guarantee you that someone somewhere, maybe even someone listening to this is stuck in a situation where they are being abused and they can't leave because of the coronavirus. They can't Mm. leave. They don't have anywhere else to go. They don't have any other support system right now because all of the usual places that they can go to you know get some relief and release and you know just hide for a little bit are not available to them right now kids who usually go to school and could tell a teacher about something that's going on with them can't do that right now so i just want to spread some awareness that like this stuff is happening right now and there are places that can help there are people who can help. And so I really want to encourage, you know, anyone who's sitting there thinking like my situation is impossible. I thought that too. I 100% thought that I thought I'm never going to get out of this. I'm going to die in this. And I almost did a couple of times, but I reached out for help finally. And it was because of that, that I was able to get out. 
Now, you you mentioned that you uh, a war broke out, and this person, you know, s- saved you, you know, saved your life. Basically, I mean, was it a was it a because you know when people go through traumatic experiences like that, yeah. where it's like almost life ending and, and traumatic, mm-hmm. and like you you're together, you know what I mean? Like Indiana yes. Jones, and and you know what I mean? Whatever, yeah, absolutely. Like the damsel in distress. Now your mm-hmm. savior becomes your lover, which in turn becomes your captor. <clears throat> That's right. That's right. And this and it's and the funny thing is, this happened to me kind of several times over in the course of the book. You'll see. I sort of get taken captive by someone who I trusted, and then someone else pulls me out of that situation and then immediately becomes that same figure in my life. And it takes me so long to kind of figure out that pattern <laughs> and go, wait a second, I need to be my own savior. I need to be, you know, I need to be my own Prince Charming. But the way that I did that was actually by allowing myself to have a friend, you know, a female friend mm-hmm. who I let in and was able to get me out because of that. And 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 a lot of that, like these these women that you're talking about, they're not allowed to have friends that think differently than what the norm was, right? Like they would yeah, be they would be yeah. they would be deemed like uh, off limits. You can't talk to them, you know, or else there'll be consequences. Yeah. Because yeah. You, obviously the men would know, and and we know this. We know this is men today too in in America. Oh yeah, you know, like oh, yeah. like we don't. Oh, <laughs> if you're one of those controlling guys, you know, uh, uh, jealous types, uh, controlling, manipulative, you know who you who mm-hmm. who gives your significant other bad ideas. You know what I mean? And, and by, when I mean my bad ideas, it's ideas that go yeah. against the grain of what you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll give you I'll give you one little anecdote uh, from the book. So <clears throat> I was with uh, my the man who later became my husband uh, and his best friend, and we come home and uh, his best friend's name is Paulin, and Paulin's wife uh, Akisi had just like w- was not there, and he was like, "Where is she? Like, what's going on? She should be home by now." And then she walks up and she's obviously drunk. You know, she's been out drinking and he's pissed. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, they're going to have an argument. Well, he picks up a brick and just hits her in the face with a brick. Wow. And I, and like, it was just so outside of my realm of like reality. (laughs) Right. And I was just in shock for a second. And then I can see, is crying and I'm, you know, sort of comforting her. And I'm just looking at him like, how could you? Like, what is wrong with you? You know? And then she says, no, no, you don't understand. He has to do that because if he doesn't do that, they won't know that he still loves me. And everyone in the neighborhood will think that I'm fair game now because my husband doesn't even care that I come home drunk. That's the bizarre mentality that they're working off of. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, it it just goes so deep and you look at our culture too, and just how much there is to unpack of patriarchy and rape culture and all this stuff Mm -hmm. that we've just accepted as the norm. And we don't even question it anymore. 
And if someone else is looking at it from the outside, they might go, wow, that is super fucked up. <laughs> well, I mean, not to, not to veer off, uh, but I mean, just think about think about the two figureheads that are going to be going against each other in uh, November. Uh, oh, they're both. They have to. No, but I mean, to, <laughs> to, to to reiterate what you're saying, you have yeah. you have one sexual uh, predator. All right, mm-hmm. you know Stormy Daniels deal that he went through. All right, now you've got mm-hmm. Biden that's coming up. That you know he's got the uh, Tara Reid. Okay, so it's like all right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, which which of the lesser uh, uh, offenders do we want to? You know what I mean? Is this where we're at? We're like having to decide. Well, all right. Well, you know his offense wasn't as bad, but you know it's just kind of crazy. It's like you know it it, it's the the culture that we live in is really crazy, and yeah. I, I do I I do agree <laughs> with you to a certain extent. You know, well, actually, all the way um, that. Once you get beyond uh, the borders of the United States, uh, and, and maybe and, and maybe Europe, uh, you know, UK, uh, you know, they're they're the Western uh, civilization for that side of the world, right? And and you know, you get outside of that, then women just really start to take a, a, a second class role in everything. You know what I mean? And to, yeah, yeah, I I could see, okay, well, I need to make a statement, but I mean, it really good. The statement that you're making, you know, by, by smashing somebody in the face with a brick is that (laughs) you mean that little to me that I can actually do that because somebody that I cared about, there's no way I would want to hit you with a brick. You know what I mean? And damage your face, especially, you know what I mean? It's like your most prized possession that we have is our faces, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's just like, uh, uh, I know. And, that's, that's and crazy. here's the thing. Later, my mother uh, was married to this guy and he threw a mug of hot coffee at her face and split open her chin and she was bleeding. And it, you know, brought up all of this stuff for me, <laughs> of course. Uh, and it, and it was amazing to me how I suddenly realized, oh my God, like, no wonder, no wonder I ended up in this situation. Like, look at the, you know, the model that I had here. And and it's this generational trauma, you know, that we pass on and pass on and pass on. And now that I have a daughter, I feel like I've become so much more picky and aware of how I allow myself to be treated because I don't want to set that example for her. I don't want her to see me being disrespected and me accepting that ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that you make a great point. Yeah. Um, and you didn't know this about me prior, but I, I'm an ex abuser, right? Um, not like a physically, like I never beat the shit out of any of my, my, uh, relationships or, or, you know, uh, people that I was involved with. But I mean, I, I, I gotta say that probably, emotional mental and uh verbal abuse is actually worse because those though mm-hmm. you know you slap somebody yeah that goes away you know what i mean the, uh, ouch you know a bruise whatever yeah. and i'm not i'm not condoning that that is not right don't don't say that oh well if you're gonna have to make a choice of how you're gonna abuse somebody <laughs> then you might as well just hit them you know what i mean no yeah. just don't abuse them period you know that's that's the yeah. right that's the right answer here um but mm-hmm words hurt way more than than 
than physical pain, right? Because those go in your ears and then they start to, you know, move around in your head and you start believing that shit. Um, And thank you so much for saying that. Thank you so much for saying that, because I feel like this is a constant sort of refrain that I hear that like, oh, well, you know, at least he wasn't beating you up. Well, listen, (laughs) first of all, if he had hit me, then I would have the excuse to leave Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that is evidence. Then I can say, look, he hit me. I have a bruise or a broken leg or whatever it is that happens to you. Mm -hmm. Then you can say, all right, here's the line. Now I can see it. Yeah. But they keep it so, like you know, uh, messy yeah. by just threatening violence and never actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. live in this constant state of fear that it might happen. Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 or what, what's it going to be today that's going to set him off? Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? And so you're really, you're living, but are you really living? Yeah. You and know? all the gaslighting. I mean, yeah. it, it literally makes you crazy. I, I actually had this wonderful sis, uh, conversation with my sister uh, a couple of days ago. She read the book, couldn't put it down and was like, you know, up all night reading it. And she called me the next morning and was like, oh, my God, why didn't I know? Like, why didn't I see it? Why am I such an idiot? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, listen, I didn't even know. He had me so upside down that I thought everything that was happening was my fault. I actually believed that mm-hmm. I had caused all of this. I deserved all of this. I didn't think that I was being abused. I thought I was creating a situation where he had to treat me this way because I was so awful Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he had me convinced. And so of course I wasn't going to tell anybody what was going on because it was my fault. And that made me look terrible. Yeah, it's right? embarrassing. It's embarrassing when you when you when you let yourself Yes. Because you never you never you never think of yourself in that in that way, right? Like of I course I, not. you know, that, that was, you watch movies, right? Like, so here here's mm-hmm. a here's a perfect example of I we me and my me and my ex would be watching a movie, right? And mm-hmm. the this very thing that happens in our own home is being played out on a screen right in front of us. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, huh, uh, like, is she, is she reacting to this? You you know (laughs) what I mean? You you know what I mean? Is it, because this is, this is, that that's you, you know what I mean? And that's what you do. And, and it's like, it's like the, the, the guilt starts to come in and then I'm like, oh my God, is she going to like, I wonder if she thinks like you know what i mean oh this is this is this is the situation that i'm in and so you know what i mean and 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 it was like it was was crazy and that happened a few different times right Mm -hmm. and uh and so to your point what you said about your daughter right that you didn't want to to be the the person that you know because your your kids look up to you that's their example right that's their example exactly and if you are giving the example that being treated like shit and walked over is is okay then when she gets into that same situation down the road when she's you know 20 25 30 whatever it ends up being mm-hmm. uh you know she just thinks that oh well i mean that's just that's just how relationships are they're messy you know and and that's not right. exactly and that's exactly. exactly why i left right because i was the problem yeah. 
I was the one who was, uh, and and I'm not saying that my ex didn't have anything to do with it because at some point, hey, it takes two to tango. Yeah, but but at some point, if you're being treated like shit all the time and constantly being verbally abused or you know yelled at all the time. Yeah. Somebody who has, you know what I mean, is gonna is gonna push back. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? It, it, it's gonna happen. Yes. And it's like, you know, then and then that's yeah. usually when when the you know, if if a physic if anything's gonna go physical, that's when it's gonna happen. Because the mm-hmm. me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, how dare you? You know, how dare you say that to me? You know what I mean? I'm like, well, who the fuck are you? You, You've just been talking shit to this person for the last 15 minutes. They keep trying to get away from you. You follow them back to wherever the fuck it is and continue the argument. Won't walk out. Won't leave. Yep. 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 And and then you're going to get mad when they finally push back and say, fuck you. You know? Yeah. And so. Yeah. And. And, and this was the other thing um, that, that my ex-husband would do is he would, he would, you know, push me and push me and push me, push all my buttons, yell at me, get up in my face, everything. And if I dared to like push him away to try to get him out of my space, he would act like I had like flung him against the wall and then look at me like, oh my God, you're so violent. <laughs> You think I'm the violent one, but look at you. You're the violent one. And mm-hmm. then I would cry and cry. And he'd be like, I'm not going to call the police this time. But, you know, you wow. need to get your temper. Wow. I, I've never, I never did that. I, I never did anything he, like that. This guy, let me tell you, this guy was a special case. <laughs> <laughs> Even among users. Like, he, he was psycho. Yeah, that's like, that's like, that's like doing the NBA flop. You know what I mean? You know, when, when, yeah. when they, to, yeah. to get a foul called on them. I, I could just picture that. And I'm not laughing at your situation. I mean, I'm just, it's just, yeah, it's funny that somebody would actually do that. But on a more serious right. note, right. yes. Um, <clears throat> yes. you know, I, 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 at some point I had to, uh, you know, for myself to get out of that. Right. Uh-huh. Um, cause that's not good for you either. That's not good for anybody. No, no, but, but I'm, but all I was doing is, is continuing the pattern that I watched when I grew up. Of course. Yeah. And so that was the example I had. And I really don't think that people understand how important your childhood is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We don't put enough, we don't put enough emphasis on, Hey, look, when you've got a child, from the time they are zero to I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm going to say like 13. All right. <laughs> zero to 13. If, if, if you can't be a good example, you shouldn't be a parent. Yeah. Honestly, because all you're doing is you're raising fucked up kids that are going <laughs> to, that are going to just turn around and, 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 and create more fuckery in, in, in society. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, none of us are perfect. Like, you know, we try to be good examples, but the thing is the best example that you can set for your kids, in my opinion, is to respect yourself, to listen to your own intuition, listen to your gut, trust yourself, and just don't let other people push you around, but also don't, you know, don't push other people around. Just like have your boundaries (laughs) and respect other people's boundaries. 
And it's I, a hard thing to learn when you didn't have them growing up. It really is. No, and so that's what I, you I, need to. I just want to take a moment and salute you for recognizing that. And I want to salute anybody else who has recognized this and gotten themselves out of a bad situation, either as an abuser or as an abusee. Just congratulations, because it's it's hard work. It really, really is. Well, thank you. Uh, and and yeah. I still cringe when that word gets said. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's uh, yeah. because, I mean, I, nobody wants to think of themselves in that light, right? Of course not. Nobody wants to. I don't. Just well, like, let me let me just let me. I have a bad habit of generalizing. Um, so let me just turn it to me. All right. I have a problem yeah. being labeled in that way. But what I did gave me that label. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just happy that, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a better path now and I fall, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm human. I don't, you know, a learned mm -hmm. behavior over years doesn't just go away. You know, yeah. it, it takes work. It takes being able to identify, uh, situations that kind of bring that up. So like if I drink too much, that anger comes away right back. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. and I experienced that, uh, not too long ago. And it kind of forced me to go, Ooh, um, I ain't ready yet. So, you know, I basically yeah. just like, you know, cut it off with, with somebody. Uh, I mean, there was other issues too, but the main one for me was like, Oh, here's, here's this thing that came up again that I thought that I had, uh, yeah. had, yeah. had some control over and bam, here it is again. And so it's like, it caused me to just sort of like go, okay, well, guess what? And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's go back and f work on that a little bit more. And then, you know, maybe in six months we'll try it again, you know? Yeah. Because it's a, I mean, it's and a process, man. It's, it's a process. And, but you have to be intentional about with any process that you have, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I also want to say, you know, after, after I ate from that marriage, um, I had a relationship very soon after that where I started, I have to admit, using some of the tactics that he had used on me uh. in my relationship. And I started to catch myself doing it, doing, you know, doing these manipulation tactics and going, holy shit, I, I, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm turning into him. And so I had to, you know, really work on that. I had, you know, I got a therapist and I really like did some inner work on that because I saw that immediately and went, whoa, no, not acceptable. But it makes sense when you're in a situation where you feel powerless and the other person seems to have all the power. What are you going to do? You're going to figure out how did they get all that power? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do that now to try to get some power back. And it doesn't work and it doesn't feel good, just so you know, <laughs> but it's, it's, it makes sense. It makes sense that that's what people do. They perpetuate that cycle in that way. Yeah. I even, I even like would question myself. I'm like, dude, am I a sociopath? Am I, you know what I mean? Am I, am I, I mean, cause I knew I was a criminal at one point and like, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, not to the point where like a sociopathic cr criminal, but it was like, it really had me questioning like, like who, who am I? You know, what, what, what am I capable of? You know? Yeah. And I think the only thing that saved me is the fact that I, I had empathy still. 
you know? So that yeah. was the saving grace between being a complete narcissist, 100%, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a complete sociopath, 100%, um, which would have probably taken me down another road, uh, you know, yeah. in, in life and, you know, maybe my freedom forever. Uh, but, yeah. um, yeah, it, it just, you know, the fact, like every time when I would do something, I would just feel horrible about it. You know what I mean? It's like, damn. Yeah. Did you go ever, again? And I'm going to probe a little bit here. Did you ever get a sort of sadistic thrill off of it, off of their pain? Mm, no, but there would be just like things that would happen, like just. I don't know. I was, I was, I was kind of cruel in certain ways. Like when, like if, if she, if I knew that she was scared, then I would just sort of like mock her. Right. You know what I mean? Just like, but I think that's more like a, that's more of a tactic to kind of separate yourself from your empathy for a moment so that it doesn't hurt you so much to be doing this. I think there are like, there's, there's a difference between sadism and like self-protection. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get joy out of it all at all. Um, for me, it was like I, I was a manipulative person from a very young age, and so like I would find different ways to bend you to my will. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and 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 so it was like, all right, well, I'm not. I'm not going to beat you up because I will go to jail for that. But yeah. I'm going to do everything in my power that I have within my arsenal, all right, of manipulation, bullying, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. whatever it is, to bend you to what I need you to do for me. Yes. But I think there's a you, – you said an interesting word there, joy. I don't think it brings anyone joy to do these things. I think what it does is it brings them a moment of relief from their own pain mm. to cause someone else pain. Because it gives them that feeling of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You probably got a, a very good point. Um, hurt people, hurt people, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't mean to sound cliche, and, but I mean that's just it's the bottom yeah. line. It's the truth. You know, it's the same yeah. the same thing, the same way that you know people that were molested as children turn into molesters as adults, right? That's um, right. And and and, and I know you know, especially having seen the culture that I grew up in, I understand my ex-husband. I, I understand him. And I, it, this is going to sound weird. I don't blame him. I will never have him back in my life again. You know, I will protect myself from him, of course, mm-hmm. uh, indefinitely. However, I've forgiven him and I don't blame him. Because I see that he is just part of a bigger pattern that he had very little control over as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How do we fix all that? You know that 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 that's always my yeah. that's that's where I that's where I go to uh, most of the time. It's like how do we how do we fix yeah. that? And 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 it really you know what the only way that we can fix that mm-hmm. is if you have young children in your life right now that you're raising, raise good people. You know, raise, raise good people that, that, you know, don't, don't try to give your kids the life that you wish you had. Teach them the things that you wish you had known instead, you know? Yeah. I'd say here, here's a couple of ways that we can stop the pattern. First, notice it. 
That's number one. Just become aware of these patterns as patterns. And the second thing is have open conversations about it. Like we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Talk about it, you know, get this stuff, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant, get this stuff out in the open, stop, you know, that shame pattern that keeps it locked up and keeps us embarrassed and not speaking out about it. Talk about it. And the other thing is just, again, do your work, do your work on yourself. You can't control anybody else. You cannot fix anybody else. You can't fix your abuser. You can't fix anybody that you're in a relationship with, but you can work on you. And everybody has a part in this pattern, whether you're an enabler or an abuser, you still are part of the pattern and you can work on your part of that pattern. Yeah. So I really recommend, you know, find a good therapist, find someone that really resonates with you, a coach, uh, even if it's like a spiritual coach or whatever really resonates with you, find someone that gets you and that can help you see yourself more clearly. Yeah, that, that's good advice. Uh, also, too, you know, when you're trying to uh, choose uh, a mate, I guess you would say, <laughs> uh, yeah. or, or, you know, and, and I, I, a lot of it's not even choice. Um, but you can do things right to vet these people that you're going to, you know, possibly, Absolutely. possibly, you know, bed with <laughs> for lack of a, a better term, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. You know, once you, once you set boundaries, and this is really important, especially for manipulative people like I used to be, um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, a kind of would just s- seek out people with, or females with low self-esteem that I could, I mean, I, I guess you call it low hanging fruit, you know? Yeah. Um, control. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when you set boundaries, and you tell the person like like if I'm me and you I'm I'm going to I'm I'm trying to hook up with you we met online uh you right. know and we're we're going through you know conversation the courting period trying to get to know each other right well this is the time when you set your boundaries of what you will accept and will not accept from this individual yeah. you haven't even you haven't even gone uh you know had any physical contact yet this is just in 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 the pre pre period, right? Mm -hmm. If you state exactly what it is that you want and what you're in, you know, uh, what you will accept and what you won't accept, I will not accept being talked to in this manner, treated in this way. Um, And this, and and I'm not trying to scare you away, but this is what I need to do for myself. You know what I mean? And guess what's going to happen? Well, that guy like me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the guy that that's not there for for genuine intentions and is just there to basically maybe want to have sex with you and that's it. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's usually what most guys are, you know, they're they're just there for one thing. Uh, There are the exceptions. Uh, You know, there are some betas out there that are that (laughs) that that fit that description and they're just genuinely nice guys. Right. Um, But when you do that. Guys like. I used to be will move on because that's so, too much of a challenge, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I have not a gonna... test. Uh-huh. Okay. I have a test that I call the respect test. Okay. I developed this through all of my uh, <laughs> misadventures in dating. So please, ladies, everyone else, use this. 
here's what you do. Because people tend to be on their best behavior on those first few dates or like when you're first just talking to someone. So you want to find, you want to sort of create a situation in which you need to push back. You need to say no. You need to set a boundary. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Usually you can just find, you know, a situation like if someone says, hey, let me buy you a drink or, you know, have another drink or whatever it is. And you just say, no, I'm good. You don't have to, you know, go further than no. Just say that and watch how that person responds. Because if immediately they start pushing back against that no, trying to test the edges of it, find out where the cracks are and where they can get back in, or they get angry, or they start making fun of you, mocking you. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these are manipulation tactics to get you to change your mind and do whatever it is that they want you to do. Yeah, yeah. No, that that that's a great that's a great litmus test, right? It is. Yeah. And so, you know, if you say no and they go, "Okay. Great. Move on," right? But a lot of the time you're going to find this behavior comes up at that moment and then you can go, "Aha." <laughs> Here is the other shoe and decide if you want to pursue this with this person or not. Yeah, I mean, because that could be that could be a prelude to what's to come. It 100 percent is. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, if someone pushes back on a non-meaningful no, imagine what they're going to do when you actually have a meaningful no. Yeah, like when you tell them, no, I don't want to fuck you or have sex with you. And right. that's where or a lot of this isn't working out and we need to break up and suddenly they become a stalker. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Right. That's, that, that's crazy. How, <laughs> how, how that happens when you think you're going to lose something mm-hmm. and how, how crazy you get at the thought of losing that. Like what, what is it that you're losing? Right. I mean, you know, right. I did that. I mean, <laughs> I've got, I'm, I've gotten like that. It was more when I was younger, uh, as I got, as I've gotten older, I was more like, oh, fuck, peace out later, you know? Yeah. I didn't, yeah. that really wasn't a, a, a thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, at one point it was. So yeah, I mean, we're messy people, man. People are messy. Emotions are but messy. Again, so yeah. And, and this goes, mm-hmm. this goes back to, you know, what I was saying about the kind of aha moment that I had, uh, with my daughter, I was dating someone for a while. And, uh, it was a pretty dysfunctional relationship and my little girl was, I don't know, four or five, something like that. And she started making comments about it that made me realize, oh, she sees what's going on here. She knows that he does not treat me well. Mm -hmm. She sees it. And that was what inspired me to finally leave this guy. And he did stalk me and it did get crazy. And I had to call the police and get a lawyer and blah, blah, blah. And my daughter watched all of that. She watched me through all of that. And she saw that I didn't back down. And that was so important to me. And I think that was a really healing experience for me. Yeah. To, on her behalf, have to do the hard thing have to push back that hard and say, no, you will not treat me like this. Yeah. I mean, same thing. They, they're smart. They are smart. Right? Oh, yeah. They pick up on every, <laughs> they pick up on everything. When you think that they're not looking or paying attention, they're paying attention to everything. You know, for mm-hmm. me, I had that, my, my aha moment was when, you know, my daughter was 
just two, barely, maybe a little bit over two. She was in the back seat, in her car seat, and me and her mom had already split up, but we decided we wanted to go, uh, you know, take her to see Santa together as kind of like, you know, some sort of normalcy, you know, and we were sure. arguing in, in, in afterwards in the car and like literally just, you know how when you get to that argument where it's just like, you know, it's a, nothing's getting accomplished. You're just, you're, you're just both getting more angry and angrier and angrier and angrier. It starts going up. And all of a sudden from the back, this, oh, yeah. this little voice goes, stop. I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, you know what's going on and you're only two. Yeah. The, the, they know. Yeah. This is a problem. Okay. This has got to end. And then that was yeah. it for me. I was like, no, 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 it's over. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So. Good for you. Yeah. I hear this over and over that people stay in a bad relationship for the kids. Uh, fuck you. That's not for the kids. Okay. I was one of those kids watching my parents throw dishes at each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. And scream at each other and not even be in present time with each other. They're, they're yelling at each other over each other. They're not listening to each other. They're mm-hmm. not even there anymore. It's just their, you know, triggers talking to each other's triggers at yeah, that point. Yeah. We see that. We feel that. That's not okay. Stop it. When my father finally left, I was relieved. I was relieved. Mm. And I love my dad. I ended up living with my dad. But I was relieved because there was no more fighting. Yeah, there was finally yeah. peace in the household. And they both had a chance to find a relationship that was better suited to them. So don't use your kids as an excuse. Okay. If your relationship is fucked up, fix it or leave. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's not even just limited to kids. I, mm-hmm. I, animals. Well, yeah. He was, he was here. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, my dog, when, when, like all the, when we were in our, our deal, right? uh as a puppy he was experiencing my rage right mm-hmm. and so he would just immediately dart right and so now yeah. he's four years old and when my when my octaves start getting higher he runs and hides mm-hmm. yeah and so know. yeah that's that's like i've I traumatized my beautiful little dog you know what Aww. i mean and so it's like yeah. eh. so i mean it, it's it, in in hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's great that I'm able to see and recognize that look, you know that it, it's really hard to understand what you do when you don't see what the damage actually is. Yeah, big time. You know, and so it's, it's I think it's great for me to be able to see things that you know later on that have happened and and the reasons why, and it, it just it solidifies. Uh, my my you know that i made the right choice and that i'm doing the right thing and you know it's it's about you know trying to be a better person at the end of the day for everybody not just for my family but for everybody who comes in contact with me yeah yeah you know good for you and good for you thank you thank (laughs) you you're welcome (laughs) let's pat ourselves on the back yeah yeah right up yep Good, yes. good job, kids. Good um, job, kids. Uh, so, anyways, we are uh, ran out of time here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and plug all of your uh, places, spaces, and where people can find you, find the book, uh, and then also it'll be you know it'll be on uh, on the show notes as well. Uh, but voice it anyways, because you are a voice actress too. 
Absolutely. So you can find me at that's allowed and that's spelled A-L-O-U-D dot com. You can find my podcast that's allowed on all the podcast places. Uh, and you can find my book called Melting Ivory available on Amazon, Kindle and in paperback. And that will be available on the show notes as well. All the links and all the places and all the spaces as well as my own. <laughs> Hurrah! <laughs> all right. Well, Adrian, Adrienne. Uh, I appreciate your, yeah, I appreciate your, uh, your, your honesty, your candor, um, and, and your conversation, you know, uh, you know, always a pleasure. Yeah. It's it's about healing, right? Yeah. And, uh, if you want to come on my podcast and talk a little bit more about that story that you haven't been telling, uh, I'd love to have you. Mm, Yeah. I talk about a lot of stuff, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty open about, about and, and transparent like if you listen to any of my shows you know, i'm transparent as hell about my life and and the things that i've caused and the pain that i've caused others and uh you know and the redemption that i'm trying to build here by allowing yeah. other people to hear those stories and realize like hey if you're one of these guys out there that's doing the shit that i was doing stop mm-hmm. yeah. stop yeah look at yourself figure out why you're <clears throat> doing that you know what I mean? Look back to your past. Try to try to dissect your your past a little bit and figure out where it's coming from, because you're not helping anybody, and you're definitely not helping yourself. You want to, yeah, you, you. want to be happy. It starts with you. Yeah, I think men need to hold men accountable a lot more than they do. So True. thank you for that. You're welcome. Just trying to be me. Indeed. <laughs> All right, Adrian, I really appreciate it. Got to run. Uh, send me the email with all your information, a picture. Oh, I already have a picture of you. So, uh, yeah, just yeah. send me a, your, all your info, uh, the links actually to the, to the, to the book and all that stuff. And then, uh, we'll go from there and I will definitely be on your show. Fantastic. All right. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.